So when I moved to Canada, now I'm in the U.S., but before that, I moved in, in Vancouver for two years. I uh, During these two years, I had to discover myself as an immigrant, as a speaker of a second language. And I, I was already a teacher before I was working at a school. I was, I had my uh, certificate of advanced English. And then when I came to Canada, I felt, oh, um, I don't know as much as I thought I knew. I mean, I know English, I know grammar, I know some vocabulary, but um, people are talking about hockey and we go to a bar and people start talking um and I cannot understand because there is noise. I'm usually in a laboratory, which is the school. Everything is silent and we get to choose the materials. And now in real life, it feels so, it feels completely different. I had already traveled abroad, but like living every day in English and learning about groceries and learning about uh, the way people describe food in a menu and you're expecting like lettuce, tomato, and then they say, oh, this sumptuous salad. And it's like, what is that? <laughs> um, so uh, I had to learn so much to an extent that I told my husband, don't tell people I'm an English teacher. I'm ashamed. Well, hello there, and welcome to the next edition of the Speak English Fearlessly podcast. This is the show for motivated English learners who want to speak English fearlessly and learn practical tips and strategies to conquer the CELPIP exam. I also love to feature encouraging interviews with regular people just like you who are working towards becoming fluent in English so we can learn from their experiences. Who am I? My name is Aaron Nelson. I've been an English teacher for over 16 years, and I now work to help students prepare for the CELPIP exam through online classes. Today, I'm excited to bring you an interview with a new teacher friend of mine. That was her in the intro a few seconds ago. My guest is originally from Brazil. She has worked hard to become fluent in English and has been an English teacher for over 14 years, both in person and online. She also works to mentor other English teachers on their journey to develop their teaching practices. My guest works hard to help learners understand how they learn English the best, and she collaborates with teachers to develop courses and language learning strategies to benefit their students. In today's interview, among other topics, we talk about my guest's journey towards learning English and what she did to develop fluency skills. Hint, hint. I bet you'll pick up some great ideas from her today that you'll be able to use as you work to develop your own English skills. So, listen closely. We also talk about the importance of connecting what you love and what you're good at doing with your English learning, in order to become a more effective learner. And we also discuss how important it is to manage the way you think about your mistakes when you're trying to learn or use English. So please sit back, relax, and join me in part one of my conversation 
with Talita Rochetti. Okay, so what made you decide to learn English? Why did you why did you decide to make that big change in your life? That's a, a bit of a long story. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll try to make it a bit short. <laughs> oh, you can tell the story. I'd love to hear it. Okay. Um, well, I always, um, first, I don't know why. I think language is something that uh, is part of my life. My, my grandma was Japanese. She tried to teach me a little bit of Japanese. I think I always had this interest in learning a second language. I didn't learn Japanese, though. It's, it's, it's on my list. <laughs> but I, um, I had the opportunity to, do, to, to get in touch with English. Uh, and I always wanted to, to have to, to study English. But I didn't have the opportunity until I was 15 years old. So, um, in the meantime, when I uh, before I started my my English course, I used to listen to the radio, uh, to listen listen to music on the radio, listen to CDs, and I tried to translate uh, music lyrics uh, using my pocket dictionary. Yeah. And I say that because uh, if you were born before the 90s, you probably understand what I just said. <laughs> I do. If I'm you're younger, that. you're probably... <laughs> right. <laughs> so some people will not understand what I just said, but that's okay. <laughs> you, can, you can always Google it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was before Google. It was when we used books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no internet, so we had to just uh, buy magazines to see the lyrics of some songs oh, or man. the songs that we used to listen in the radio. That was so old school. Right. But yeah, I started very old school, <laughs> analogical. <laughs> yeah. And you you did, you did took that up just on your own interests. It, it yes. wasn't because you were in a school or something. And then... No, um... When I was 11, I started having English classes at school. They were very basic. And I I would never get out of verb to be, present simple. You know, it was very grammar-based as well. And yeah, eventually I, I could um, uh, enroll into a language school. And then I started... I started um, yeah, practicing more. And that school was really good, actually. We had uh, literature books to read throughout the, um, throughout the term. So I, I could acquire a good vocabulary and a good... I also... I'm a little bit crazy. I, I used to enjoy reading dictionaries. Really? <laughs> and I liked grammar which people usually don't, right? So I studied a lot of grammar by myself. <laughs> wow. Well, my hats are going. I don't have my hat on, but that expression, my hat's off to you. I am not a grammar person at all. I detest those things. I, I remember in French, oh. in Canada, the second language that you have to learn in school is French most of the time. And I remember that yeah. part, learning all the verbs and conjugating stuff. It made my eyes water like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do this. But uh, yeah. So you mentioned that you 
to develop your English skills, you liked listening to the radio. You liked picking up magazines with that had the lyrics in them. You liked going to your pocket book dictionary to figure out what the words were. And you also talked about your involvement in school a little bit with uh, second language uh, learning. Over all those things, and maybe some, you probably even have a lot of things that you didn't mention, but what would you say has been the best or the most helpful thing that you have done to help you develop your English skills? Hmm. So this is a, an interesting question. I like that because I usually talk to my learners and I tell them it's not about English skills, first of all. You need to have a, develop a lot of self-awareness to especially now that we have internet and we have so many resources and apps and so many materials um so you need to know yourself what are what your struggles are what your strengths are and and start from there and then what are your preferences some some people i i nowadays i like podcasts i didn't used to enjoy listening to podcasts. I, I used to get lost, but then I started listening to podcasts at the gym. And then I was like, oh, this is nice. I have one hour to listen a whole episode. And that helped me so much. Uh, I felt productive because I hated going to the gym. <laughs> so I had something, something else to do. I was learning something while I was working out. I wanted to get back to that as well, uh, this kind of habit. But I still listen to podcasts when I go for a walk or I'm commuting. And I started testing audiobooks. I realized audiobooks are not as, um, I don't feel as engaged. So it feels like the same, but it's not. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you, you should be able, patience as well. We should be patient to get to know yourself, get to know your preferences, how you learn better, what are the tools and strategies that help you out and keep looking for strategies because there are so many tutorials and tips and hints on uh, on YouTube, on, on internet, on blogs. And uh, there is so much that we get lost, but how do we find ourselves just by uh, looking inside? Mm. What are the things that I know uh, that I find it easier to do? What are the things I struggled with that I could just work on? And how can I work on those struggles? Um, if uh, I need to acquire more vocabulary, should I be reading? And reading ebooks would be better than reading uh, paperback. Um, so each person has their preferences, right? Yeah. So we need to become aware of what we like doing and do more of it. Yeah. 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 Before that, you you mentioned something that kind of made me curious. You you said that when you're working with your students, you don't first go to skills. You go to discovering uh, who you are. Is that what you were saying? Like to try to figure out uh, how you work and why? Why is that important for you? And what is there something specifically that you begin helping your students to explore first because our natural tendency is to oh i have to start working on uh vocabulary or i have to start working on grammar 
but you are raising an interesting difference to that that strategy like saying no first let's work on another thing could you tell us a little bit more about that like why do you do it and what do you focus on hmm. uh that's uh well i used to work at a language school back in brazil and now i'm gonna tell a, a little bit of my per personal story as well um so when i moved to canada now i'm in the u.s but uh, before that i moved in in vancouver for two years I, uh, during these two years, I had to discover myself as an immigrant, mm -hmm. as a speaker of a second language. And I, I was already a teacher before I was working at a school. I was, I had my, uh, certificate of advanced English. And then when I came to Canada, I felt, oh, um, I don't know as much as I thought I knew, I mean, I know English, I know grammar, I know some vocabulary, but um, people are talking about hockey and we go to a bar and people start talking um, and I cannot understand because there is noise. I'm usually in a laboratory, which is the school, everything is silent mm -hmm. and we get to choose the materials. And now in real life, it feels so it feels completely different. I had already traveled abroad, but like living every day in English and learning about groceries and learning about uh, the way people describe food in a menu. And you're expecting like lettuce, tomato, and then they say, oh, this sumptuous salad. And it's like, what is that? <laughs> um, so uh, I had to learn so much. To an extent that I told my husband, don't tell people I'm an English teacher. I'm ashamed. No. Uh, and I used to be ashamed of telling these stories, but I realized my, my students were uh, lacking confidence. And I told them, look, this is what happened to me. And I, I know it, it's, it's going to happen to people at some point. It's the learning process. It's part of the learning process. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn about myself. I had to... Um, deal with uh, my lack of skills to certain things, to, to do cer certain things, I would have to call the bank, which I would never have that in the language school, <laughs> and, and ask about my credit card issues. Um, so I realized it's not only about English. It's about the, back, um, the cultural background, the context. So I want students to learn about themselves and learn about the context they want to use English and what's helping, what's not helping them. So I decided I have, at that moment, when I started living in English, I, I changed the way I, I wanted to teach. Hmm. That's, a, that's a really good story. And you're not the first person that I've met who... who mentioned that of thinking that or knowing that they had a very strong level of English in the country where they're from originally but when they set foot here in Canada or the U.S. they suddenly realize oh my goodness what is what is this <laughs> this is not what I was learning <laughs> they're, they're speaking English incorrectly exactly. <laughs> you know uh, that yeah. the same thing happened to yeah. me before I mean I lived in Mexico for 16 years and before I went I was studying Spanish for a little while here it wasn't anything too serious it was a very uh, 
well, pathetic probably is a good word. It, it wasn't very serious at all. It was, I was just, I bought like a CD that, you know, you put into your computer. This was like way back in the 90s. And uh, so it had yeah. all these really cool interactive exercises where I was picking up vocabulary words. And, and I arrived in Mexico thinking that I had at least, you know, a raw beginner sort of level <laughs> of Spanish, only to nope. realize, no, I knew nothing. <laughs> and the Spanish that I was actually practicing was Spanish from Spain, which had very little to do with oh my. Spanish in Mexico. So yeah, I I feel I feel you. <laughs> that that's that feeling of, oh my goodness, this is not what I thought it was gonna be. And um can I ask you a question? Yeah, please do. Uh, when did you start feeling comfortable with talking talking to people in Spanish? Yes. Um, well, today it's uh, July <laughs> in 2023. I still feel <laughs> I still feel uncomfortable sometimes, and um, and that's honest. I mean, I I do get I I I definitely feel like I can do much better nowadays but i would say that it probably took me about six months to a year before i really started to uh be able to use the spanish that i had in in intelligent ways where i could you know talk to people and understand that was a big deal for me like mm -hmm. uh, just feeling mm -hmm. like i was in this bubble that i didn't understand anything going on around me it was just like chatter that's how it, exactly. that's how it sounded like you know and um but little by little that chatter started to to make sense it, it took a long time but i remember that that feeling of being lost and you know not knowing what what the heck but yeah it took me about a year i would say but even now when i try to use spanish because my wife and i try to use it together when we're talking because she's a fluent Spanish speaker being from Mexico. And we have a lot of friends around us who are Spanish speakers. I mean, just yesterday, I went for a coffee with a guy who's a good friend of ours. And uh, we we jumped back and forth between Spanish and English. There were, there were times where I was trying to say something to him in Spanish, and I was presenting most of what I wanted to say correctly. But there were times where I was still like struggling to get, oh, that's not exactly what I want to say or how I want to say it. And I oh, yeah. English and it was fun. But yeah, so I haven't stopped learning, I guess you could you could say. And I haven't stopped trying to become more comfortable uh, with it. So that's probably um, getting close to 22 years, maybe. <laughs> I feel you. Yeah, I still nowadays I, I I live in the U.S. I talk to people in English. Sometimes you don't find the words, but that happens in our native language sometimes as well, right? You That's don't find the, the correct expression that you. It's on the tip of your tongue. You cannot find it, and but it's more. I think it's more often. Uh, it it happens more often in our second language for sure. But that you raise a really good point, though. That even in our first language, we run into wall into walls. You know, we we talk ourselves into corners. All those wonderful expressions on the tip of my tongue, just like what you said. But it's interesting what we attach to that. You know, when I say I don't know what mm -hmm. I wanted to say exactly in my first language, and I don't attach any negative 
connotations about myself onto that. I just like, oh, okay, I need to think for a second before I keep going. But when I'm trying to use Spanish, maybe this happens to you too, and I bet it happens to our listeners. You you run into a, a wall like that, you don't know what to say, and all of a sudden you're flooded with all these negative, I suck at this, I shouldn't be trying this, I'm so foolish sounding to the people that I'm trying to talk to, blah, blah, blah. Does that happen to you? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, sure. And I think that's why self-awareness is so important, just to track your progress and see, okay, I didn't used to, I mean, before I couldn't say anything more than nice to meet you. I can say now nice to meet you, the weather is nice. <laughs> um, and I said nice twice, but it's okay. It, people understand me. And in Portuguese, sometimes it, it, uh, when I'm talking to people, I make mistakes. And now that I'm living here, my Portuguese is getting worse. Sometimes I forget words. I don't, I don't, I can connect <laughs> my my brain to all the the knowledge that I've got. So we start just I don't know about you, but my husband my husband is also Brazilian, and we did study some Spanish together. Sometimes we speak Portuguese with some words in Spanish, with some words in English. I don't even know how to call this kind of language anymore. It's just a mix, yeah, of. Uh, uh, languages and uh, because it it what comes first to our minds and we understand each other, but you cannot do that with other people. <laughs> but I keep I keep saying like uh, some Brazil is huge and I think in Mexico I don't know if it, it's that way or in Canada, but uh, if you go to different places in Brazil, people have different accents, and sometimes it's hard to understand people. They use uh, specific a specific vocabulary from the region they live or sometimes they if you are in a in a noisy place it's hard to you cannot understand everything so you get out of the context hmm. um but then we do that in english and we feel frustrated oh my god i don't understand or uh i'm i'm not good enough i, I should be studying more <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Speak English Fearlessly podcast. We covered quite a lot of great things today, didn't we? If you'd like to get a cheat sheet of the main points we talked about today, like Talita's strategies that helped her build her flu English fluency, for example, you totally can, and for free, just by going to www.selpipsuccess.com forward slash resources. That's selpipsuccess.com forward slash resources, where you'll be able to sign up and grab a free cheat sheet of the most important points from today's episode. Thanks for joining me today, and I'll see you next Tuesday for part two of my interview with Talita. Have a great week. Bye. My friend, are you struggling right now with your selfit prep? Does it feel like you're lost and everyone around you knows what they're doing except you? Don't be afraid to ask for help. And if you don't have someone to ask, um, hello, I'm here. 
And I'm not even waiting for you to ask for help. I'm inviting you to come and work with me. I'm an experienced English teacher and certified CELPIT trainer, and I can help you prepare for your exam. So if you're ready to stop feeling overwhelmed with what to study next for the CELPIP exam, and if you're ready to get friendly support and encouragement when you're having a hard time, then today is the day for you to connect with me. I want to work with you. Just go to www.selfipsuccess.com forward slash listener and you'll get a 25% discount when you join the Selfip Success School. I'll put a link for that in my show notes, but that link again is selfipsuccess.com forward slash listener and you will get a 25% discount. The Selfip Success School combines weekly assignments that you can do on your own with unlimited support from me, as well as weekly live coaching calls. Let's work together and conquer the CELPIP exam.